Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Free Lutheran Church Sermon Archive. It's our hope that this message would encourage you in your faith and would help you to get to know God's love, grace, and mercy in a personal way. If you have any questions on the sermon or would like to know more about Maranatha, please visit us on the web at maranathafreelutheran.com or call our church office at 218-498-2808. Thank you, and may God bless. We sure are excited for you, Pastor Ryan and Liz, in the birth of this healthy baby boy and uh, sharing your joy as you today brought Declan to the Lord in baptism. It is great to have some of your families with us today, too, uh, for this very special occasion. And and I want to thank them for uh, singing today and and adding to our congregational worship in that way. And as far as I'm concerned, we'd love to have you come back and do that every week. You know, this past week has been kind of a roller coaster uh, in the news relating to the reopening things uh, in our economy and in churches as well. And I have to say, I was so disappointed this last week as uh, our governor of Minnesota gave his coronavirus update and and he moved the dial just a fraction for uh, private businesses and, and left it standing still for places of worship. And, and if we're to abide by his requirements, uh, we are still allowed only to have 10 people at a time gathering for places of worship, whether that's inside or out. And uh, that's for the foreseeable future, uh, unless he changes things, which he certainly may do. Um, His next step then was then going to be allowing outdoor services of up to 100. And so we might be preparing for that next. We're not sure yet. However, in this last week after that, then there was a large number of Minnesota Catholic churches and Lutheran churches that have declared that they're going to hold services beginning the 31st. And then after that, President Trump on Friday declared that governors need to open places of worship immediately and consider them essential. And so it's going to be an interesting week ahead, isn't it? Seeing how governors respond to that. And we, as Ryan mentioned, ask you to pray for us as pastors and deacons that we'd respond uh, the way the Lord would want us to here, and we're going to be waiting a few more days for further developments and, and then be in communication with you sometime this week before next weekend. But it's possible we could come together in some form even next Sunday. Now, in my not-so-humble opinion, uh, one of the most ridiculous sights I saw was in the newspaper this last week. Maybe some of you saw it as well. It happened across the river on the North Dakota side. Uh, there was a picture on the front page of the Fargo Forum uh, of Fargo Shanley High School graduation ceremony. And the students were out there on the football field, uh, spaced carefully 15 feet apart, sitting in chairs with caps and gowns on, and uh, all wearing masks. And their parents, and nobody else, were there in the stands. Now, you might have an equally not-so-humble opinion about this and and think that, you know, they shouldn't even had such a large gathering. After all, it's far too risky, and they should have done what Minnesota's done and and, uh, what North Dakota schools some other places have done and had just virtual graduation ceremonies. And in some respects, it really doesn't matter what each of us thinks on this issue. You have the right to your opinion, and I have the right to mine, and our governors have the right to theirs. And we need to recognize that what we think about all this is really just opinions of fallible humans. 
And how we each came to those opinions is often connected to the sources from which we've gleaned our related information. What articles we read or news art, um, shows we've watched or YouTube videos we've seen or, or like-minded people we've talked to. And these days there is plenty of slanted information being peddled as news every day and people all over have strong opinions on these things. And not only that, but, but with this coronavirus, opinions are ever-changing, aren't they? Some scientist of, or some study says, well, you know, the vi virus is easily spread on hard surfaces, and so we need to wipe everything down. And, and we did that for the last two months, only to be told that now the CDC knows it's far less transferable that way than they earlier had published. And then there's the issue of masks. They were considered close to worthless to prevent the spread at one point. Now they're saying everyone should wear masks. Even when you go out to eat at a sit-down restaurant in Minnesota and eat at their new outside dining space in the parking lot. And again, I know, my opinion is showing through in this, isn't it? And you have the right to a different opinion in that area. But you know, somehow, someday, if we ever get to the point where we're holding non-virtual worship services back here at Maranatha again, and I believe that it's likely just around the corner, then we opinionated characters are going to have to figure out how we're going to get along with each other and not let Satan drive a wedge in our relationships here like he seems to be succeeding in doing all over the country in this volatile presidential election year. And how are we opinionated Christians ever going to get along and still be a church when this is all done? We must hang on to the one source of reliable information, the inerrant written word of God, and recognize that all other sources are subject to error. And the scripture we're looking at today reminds us of that, and we need to recognize that you know, there are many people that don't see it this way. There are many that would look to science as the final word, but they need to recognize science is ever-changing, and God's word is not. And as we look today then at 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 to 25, I invite you to find that with me and as I read from God's word today. 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning with verse 20. <clears throat> For he, that is Jesus, was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Since you have, in obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable, that is, through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The, the grass withers, the, the flower falls off, but the word of our Lord endures forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what we have come to know about it, that it is reliable, that it spans hundreds of years, and that it is all put together in amazing unity to point especially to the person of Jesus Christ and what he came to accomplish. And we pray that as we look into your word today and, and consider 
what we believe about this, that, that you would encourage us in these days with information constantly changing. May we look to this and know our security is in you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Peter writes this letter in some very challenging times. Christians have been scattered from the church in Jerusalem to various parts of Asia Minor, which is present-day Turkey, due to intense persecution. And so very likely, they are missing each other and the fellowship with each other that they once knew. And so Peter writes to encourage them. And if you glance back at the part earlier in chapter 1 of, of 1 Peter here, I want to just summarize some of what takes place in there. Notice in verse 3 here, he says this, Blessed be God. And he is reminding these scattered Christians here to be thankful for what God has done for them through Jesus Christ. And he goes on to say there um, what that involves, and that is that we have been born again to a living hope because of Jesus' resurrection. And verse 4, he goes on to explain that, that also then we will obtain, as a result, an inheritance in heaven that will never fade away. And though these folks have been scattered and very likely have lost much of their earthly possessions, um, th those have faded away. Peter's telling them this will not fade away. And he's reminding them, set your sights on this. However, you go to verse 6 and 7, he's saying, now for a little while, we can expect various trials that will test our faith. And, and now with all the coronavirus complications and disruptions of life, and, and for us here in this area, with Dan Johnson's passing from this life just a little over a week ago, these verses become all the more poignant for some of us. And, and Peter says, therefore, because you can expect various trials to come along that will test your faith, verse 13, gird your minds for action and fix your hope on the return of Christ and, and fix your hope on heaven. And, and verse 17, and then he also says, and, and then conduct yourselves with fear during the time of your stay upon the earth. And that might sound a, a bit strange, but, but Peter is not encouraging here fear of the trials, but rather fear of God. And not a slavish fear, but, but a reverence and a respect for the absolute awesomeness of Almighty God. Why? Well, because of what that awesome God has done for us. Verse 18 and 19, because he has redeemed us with the precious blood of his spotless son. You know, that takes us up to verse 20, which is our text for today, and where we see then here some things about our sovereign God. And one of them is this, that God, in his foreknowledge, had a plan for the world from before its very foundation. And it's good for us to be reminded of that, isn't it? Because none of us, for instance, saw this coronavirus pandemic coming, nor did anyone in government. It was a surprise to us all, but not to God. In his foreknowledge, he saw that along with everything else. And with his mighty power, he could have stopped it from spreading. And instead, he has allowed it to take its course and allowed mankind to see his helplessness to stop it. And I actually do think that that's part of his goal. Though much of mankind is still convinced that government and science can conquer it without God's help. But anyway, just recognize this about God, that he knows it all. And even... Before it happens, he knows it all, and he has a plan, and he works out his purposes, and nothing can thwart them. And all of Scripture reminds us of that. And it 
tells us then that the central part of that unthwartable plan was the appearing of his son. He would have his son take on, on human flesh, be born a human baby, grow up sinless and become a perfect man with power to do miraculous things, and he would shed his spotless, innocent blood to redeem the world. And though evil men were determined to destroy Jesus and, and have him killed, they would not have been able to hang him on the cross to die if he hadn't willingly laid down his life. All because that was part of God's unthwartable plan, that his son would be that sacrificial lamb dying on the cross as a substitute sin-bearer. But God's unthwartable plan didn't stop there. His son would be raised from the dead and given all glory. Verse 21 refers to that here. And, and we confess today in, in the Apostles' Creed what we believe there, that, that after he rose from the dead, then he ascended back up into heaven and he's seated there at the right hand of God the Father, that is, in the position then of, of authority and of glory. And from there he will one day return to judge the living and the dead. And that's what we Christians believe uh, about Jesus. Well, Peter says here also this then, that through him, Jesus, people would come to believe in God and to have faith and hope in him. And you know, as we as Christians seek to witness to people, about what we believe and why. I, I want to ask you, how is it that people will come to know that there even is a God? Well, one way is by simply looking around them at, at the amazing design of this world that we live in and seeing the various aspects of nature, all kinds of details relating to the plant and animal kingdoms, as well as just looking up at the sky and seeing the vastness of what is above us. And we see the design and we recognize there, there was a designer. Well, another way that they will come to know that there is a God, is, is as we point them to the historical record of Jesus Christ. The, that unique miracle worker and teacher that he was, and, and the record that the whole Bible shows us, the prophecies in detail of his coming that then came about in, in the New Testament. And, and it points us to this very unique person, the most unique person ever to walk the face of this earth. And it points us then to God's plan of sending him to be the savior of mankind who would die on the cross and then rise from the dead. That was all part of God's unthwartable plan. But then thirdly, a connected part of that plan was his written word. And Peter talks about that word of God here today and he says here, verse 24 and 25, that this word endures while human flesh fades away. And Peter spells out here that all human flesh, including yours and mine, is like the grass, for instance. And grass is here for a season, nice and green again. Good to see it. But we know it's going to fade when fall comes. And the glory of all human flesh, he says, is like flowers, like the flowers we have on the altar today. Here, I have one of them here. And you know, this won't last like this forever. The colors will fade, and the petals will fall off. That's what happens with flowers in the thing. Humans are like that. Our glory is like that. It'll, it'll fade away. And so it is with all humans. Our time on earth is short. And in great contrast to that, then, Peter says, we have the word of God, which abides forever. And he describes it here as different from any other book in the world. You know, think about it. Information in books 
can be very contemporary one decade and vastly outdated in the next. Technology and, and science textbooks, they're, they're ever-changing. Their information's only good until further or better information comes along. But God's Word, though it has specific dates and various parts were written different times and so on, yet it has never been out of date or irrelevant, even though many in our world would like to treat it like it is. And Peter calls it here in verse 23, the living and abiding Word of God. And I think it's interesting in our AFLC, we have several congregations that are named either living word or abiding word. And they're named that because those congregations believe something about the Bible. They believe that it abides forever and that it's also living or alive because the same Holy Spirit that inspired men to write this also is still alive today to speak to hearts when we, when we listen to it. And when that word of God is preached, an imperishable seed is planted and it causes people to be born again into a new relationship with God. And that's where the Christian church comes into play. God's untowardable plan involved establishing Christian congregations all over the world where his word would be preached and there would be regular fellowship among believers. And we see that pattern as we look throughout the New Testament, Acts and following. Now, you might have been able to tell if you've talked with me lately, I've been feeling some frustration. Frustration with the governmental restrictions on, on our coming together as a congregation of believers in Christ. And, and I've recognized there, there is a pandemic going on, and it's global, um, and, and uh, it's called for some extreme measures uh, throughout the world to protect our society initially and, and keep us from overwhelming our medical facilities. But as time has gone on, and those restrictions haven't eased up. I, I've, I've had to sort out, why is it I'm feeling this inside? Why am I feeling mad? And, and part of it, I believe, is relating to the First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution that guarantees the right to peaceably assembly and also to uh, freely practice our religion. And I felt that in some cases, government officials were restricting churches beyond other entities that were gathering that isn't the whole picture for me. It seems that some leaders in government offices and, and much of our society in general sees church attendance really as optional or non-essential, if you will. But what's even more concerning, I would say, is that many who would claim the name Christian in our society also see it as such. Brett, McCa Brett McCracken wrote something that I want to share with you here, and I quote. He said, if church is just a nice-to-have part of our self-styled spiritual journey, but only insofar as it enhances rather than undermines our expressive individualism, then, of course, it's, it's something we can go without for prolonged periods of time. Church is not essential, we assume, because Christianity is just, an easily practiced, just as easily practiced solo at home. Give me a Bible, some inspiring worship music, and maybe a few spiritual podcasts, and I'm good. Do we really need church to be spiritually healthy? Yes. He goes on to say this, to make, to make a point that, that gathering regularly with fellow believers in some form is a vital part of God's plan. And that very word church in our Bibles, the Greek word ekklesia, 
We translate it church, but it's actually better understood as congregation or assembly. And it's in this setting that the word of God is preached and that that word Peter says here is an imperishable seed that brings people to be born again. As the law of God is proclaimed, people see their sin and they hear the judgment of God upon sinners and they realize their helplessness to do anything to save themselves. And then the gospel is proclaimed and they see their Savior, Jesus Christ, and the forgiveness of sin that he so freely offers them. And they have a change of heart and they become born again and they become spiritually alive, restored to relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. There's one other thing I want to note here, and that is this. That that results also then in a new relationship with other believers who become, according to Scripture, they become brethren who love each other from the heart. And Peter does not talk about this then as just an optional thing. He calls those who have been born again to have a heart change um, toward other people, particularly to have a sincere love for the brethren. And we see that word, brethren, or brothers and sisters in Christ, or family. That's what fellow believers are. And did you know that over 200 times in the New Testament, from the book of Acts on through Revelation, believers are called brethren, or brothers and sisters. And families need each other. Sometimes they also annoy each other. But they're still family, right? And so we're called to get along with each other in spite of our strong opinions. And so when we get back together here, we may have some new challenges ahead of us. There may be some strong opinions on how we should do church with a pandemic still going on. There may be some who don't like some changes that we'll be making for the time being and think they're unnecessary. There may be others who think that we haven't taken enough precautions and are being reckless to have even have public services at all yet. And I, I'm convinced that we need, maybe we should put this on the wall here like I see it at Planet Fitness. If you've ever been there, on the wall it says this is a judgment-free zone. When we start meeting together again, some might need to stay away longer because of health or age issues that make them extra susceptible to the viruses. Some might stay away longer because they have pressing need to get the crops in the ground. Some might be at the lake. And there needs to be freedom to do as you need and as you believe you should do without judgment. And for those who do choose to come, some might wear masks. Others might not. And the last thing we need is to have people talking behind each other's back about silly things like that um, and what somebody else is doing relating to all this. Let's not let Satan get any kind of a foothold here on those things. We stand on the inerrant, enduring, living, and abiding word of God. And we leave things that it does not clearly address to be mere opinions of man, Subject to change as more information comes along. I have one last thought here as well. And that is regarding the confidence that we can have in these times of uncertainty because of Jesus Christ. And I got this quote, and I'm not even sure where I got it from. It goes like this. Our rest is in heaven. Our rest is not here. 
then why do we tremble when trials draw near? Be still and remember the worst that can come, but shortens our journey and hastens us home. Let us pray. Lord God, we humble ourselves before you today, <laughs> and we have to admit that, that we easily form some strong opinions on things, some of them that really do matter significantly, but some that really don't. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would guide us in these challenging times in sorting out all the information that comes our way that is ever-changing. And we thank you, Lord, that your word stands firm. Lord, that it is not changing, that you had a plan, an amazing plan, and you mapped it out from the beginning of time. Even after the fall, you promised a Savior. And throughout the Old Testament, we see the, the glimpses then of the Savior that you promised that would come about in your perfect time. We thank you that as we look to the New Testament, we see Jesus, your sinless Son, who came to be our Savior, who was willing to humble himself and go to the cross for us in order that he would redeem us, provide forgiveness of sin and eternal life. And we rejoice in that, Lord, today. And we thank you that because of that, we can know for sure a relationship with you, God. And we don't need to fear, even when our time comes to leave this earth. And we rest in the promise of eternal life in Christ. And Lord, we, we pray for our nation. We pray for this world, Lord, as, as we continue to navigate these times with the pandemic going around us. Lord, we ask that you would give wisdom to those in leadership of our land and also a humility in their opinions to be able to listen to others and, and sort things out together. And Lord, we pray that you'd guide us as a congregation in, in what we should do as we long to be together worshiping you again. And Lord, we pray that as we come to that point, you would draw us together in unity in spite of our differences. And Lord, that we would be a, a beacon of light in this community. Uh, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.